I want to share something with you this morning that I hope will stay with you for the rest of your lives, however long that may be, and maybe you'll be able to share what I'm going to share with you this morning with others so that they can share it with others, so that they can share it with others for the rest of their lives. A few years ago, I pastored in Claremore, Oklahoma, when uh, your pastor was still single, and his dad was teaching at Rama, and uh, was some strange and weird days in those days, and uh, I had some unique experiences, and I had people come along and say, what kind of a preacher are you? And they'd say, are you, are you a faith preacher? Yeah. Are you a prosperity preacher? Yep. Are you a healing preacher? Yep. And, uh, but they, what they were emphasizing, they wanted to know what, what, what my, my specialty was. And well, finally it dawned on me, I said one day, I said, I'm not, I'm not a specialist, I'm a general practitioner. I try to get, try to get it all, and uh, being the being the fourth generation preacher and having three generations before me, and at that time, aunts, uncles was preachers, and aunts were married to preachers, and cousins were preachers, and all I knew was preachers, and all I'd ever heard was preachers, and I'd heard some preachers who are, who preached so intellectually that I didn't understand what they were saying. They were trying to prove how intelligent they were and who really cares. The, the thing that's important is about the Word of God. And I guess maybe it's because of my simple mind, I determined that I wanted to preach the gospel in such a simple way that everybody could understand it because if you can't understand it, it doesn't do you any good. If If what a preacher preaches or a teacher teaches no matter how good it is, if you don't grasp it well enough to be able to apply it to your daily life, you may, may as well not have heard anything. So all of my ministry has been to try to preach certain things in certain ways that you could remember it and understand it and get a hold of it and hang on to it. And, uh, you know, everything affects us one way or the other. Our faith should be based on God's word, as has already been mentioned, by hearing and knowing, and your faith is increased. And when uh, our son Vep was in high school, he he had a he had a theory that if he dropped the soap in the shower of a morning when he was getting ready to go to school, if he dropped the soap, it's going to be a bad day. And I said to him, why would you let a bar of soap, which is slippery already, affect your day? Your day can be good even if you drop the soap. And then I know I have known people who, even those who claim to be Christians, who would not get up and face the day if they didn't read their horrors, horoscope. And then when you read the horoscope, how do you expect your day to be good? And so our lives are determined by what we put into us and how we understand what gets into us. And I'm going to read a few scriptures because I want to establish my point before I get to my point. Matthew 28, 19, 20, and 20, 18, 19, 20 says this. And <clears throat> how many of you have ever been reading the Bible 
And after you had read the Bible a while, you realize you don't remember a word you read. <laughs> you just read and you're thinking about, well, I got to go to Walmart this afternoon, and what are we going to have for dinner? And and somebody comes to you and your mind wanders over here, and all of a sudden you realize you read a whole chapter and don't know one word you've read. I've done it so many times. Well, one reason because the devil don't want you to understand it. So sometimes you have to go back and read it again, and then you have to go back and read it again, and all of a sudden something will jump out at you, and it's, hey, where did, how did I miss that? It's because we was at Walmart. But the Scripture says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I got it all. And because I've got it all, I want you to go and teach all nations, that's all nationalities, not countries, all nationalities. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all the things that I have taught you, whatever I've commanded you. And as you go do what I've told you to do, the Lord said, Lo, I am with you always even under the end of the world. Amen. Now, if Jesus was here today and he was saying those words, he probably would not have said, Lo, I am with you always. But at that time, Lo is a word they used to get your attention. Lo. But if he was here today, he might say, Hey, I'm with you. Say that with me. Hey, I'm with you. And he said, I want you to get out there. I want you to tell everybody at Walmart and Publix, wherever you go, whether they be Hispanic or African American or Asian or Caucasian, whatever they are, go tell everybody what I've told you. And when they, when they believe, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And hey, I'm with you. And I want to add this little phrase behind that. We got this. So say, hey, I'm with you. We got this. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. Now that's what I want you to remember. That's my, that's my point of my message. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. And Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your conversation be without covetousness and be happy with what you got. For he has said, I will never leave thee, I will never forsake thee. And because I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what anybody can do unto me. The left, the right, the middle, the ups and the downs, Republicans, Democrats, Communists, or whoever. Hey, I'm with you. We got this thing. And then in Isaiah 43, I want to read a couple of verses. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. And I want to stop there for just a moment. Redeemed. So if you can be redeemed, that means you have been deemed 
And to be deemed is to be designated or titled, named. So when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, he deemed them to be over all the earth. He designated them to be the rulers of all the earth. But when they sinned and fell under the curse of sin and death, they were no longer deemed rulers of the earth because they were living in sin. But the Lord said to Jacob, I have redeemed thee. I brought you back. How many of you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? So when we were redeemed, that was because we were repurchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we were repurchased, we were redeemed to rule over the earth. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now here's the promise. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Hey, I'm with you. The river shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, I'll be with you. Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. What I was, I am, and I will be. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus was, he is, and he will be. Genesis 28, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places, wherever you go, I'll be with you. And I will bring thee again into the land, for I will not leave thee in this I really like this part. Until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I won't leave you until we got her done. <laughs> I, that, maybe that don't mean much to you, but that means a whole lot to me because I didn't want to preach. Good Lord, nobody in their right mind wants to be a preacher. And... uh but I finally consented after years of struggle. And I like that fact when he says, all right, son, I'm with you. We got this. And I'm not going to leave you until we get it done. Until I'm through with you, I'm going to be with you. Don't give up and don't, don't let the devil talk to you and convince you that some people, that the Lord is with some people and not with you because his promise is to all of us. And then Acts 10, 34, Peter said, he opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, for a fact, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. What he was to others, he will be to us. What he has done for others, he will do for us. Not because he did it for them, but because he said he would do it. And sometimes when we pray, we pray, say, Well, Lord, you healed so-and-so. If you can heal them, you can heal me. That's not the point. He can heal us because he said he would heal us, whether he did them or not. So we need to make this, all the promises of God personal. So here it is again. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. And that's what I, that's the way I see COVID. I don't care what they say about COVID. The Lord says, Hey, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. We got this. And I believe we got to be careful. I don't go around. I, 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 I believe that if God, if I, if I happen to run on a, a snake or something, God will help me kill it. But I'm not going to go around hunting snakes. 
and I'm not going to go around and find, hey, have you got COVID here? Spit on me, you know. No, I'm not going to do that. Be cautious. Be careful. But just remember the Lord said, hey, I'm with you. We got this thing. So I want to talk, give some examples of in, in the Old Testament of when the Lord was with them that he called. Let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we all know these stories. But Nebuchadnezzar had an eagle the size of a mountain, and he built a monument bigger than him. And and he called the instruments together and said, whenever my, the instruments start playing, I want everybody to bow down and worship my image. And everybody bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was a real nosy busybody in the congregation that looked over and saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow. And they went and tattletailed. Now, nobody in this church ever does that. But I mean, some people do that. And so they went and told Nebuchadnezzar, said, you been, I got, I, I'm going to tell you something. I saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they didn't bow. Well, he said, well, they better bow. And so he said, let's do it again, and you boys, you better bow. And so he, they did it again, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow. And I think by that time, Nebuchadnezzar might have been peeking to see if they was and said, aren't you boys going to bow? And they said, nope, we're not going to bow to you. And they said, well, if you don't, we're going to send the fiery furnace hotter than it's ever been, put you in it. And they said they got together, had a little chat, and said, well, I tell you what, uh, we're not going to bow, and our God will deliver and uh, so the music played again, and everybody bowed except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, you got to understand that the people who are mentioned in the Bible, all the people who were mentioned in the Bible, no matter who they were or how great a man or woman of God they were, they were not superhuman. They didn't, they didn't have a cape and come out of a telephone booth. They did not have superpowers. They were just normal people like us. In fact, if the Bible was being written today, some of you might be mentioned in the Bible. So the people of that day were regular normal people, and the devil talked to those folks just like he talks to us. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had got together, and their faith was tall and strong, and they said, our God will deliver. But when they took them by the arm and started taking them toward the furnace, I would imagine that Abednego might have said to Shadrach, uh, I wouldn't expect it to go this far. I thought God might have done something by now. And Meshach might have said, me too. We're getting awful close to the fiery furnace and God hasn't showed up yet. What's going on? You see, when you pray about a situation in your life and it doesn't go away as soon as you want it to go, thoughts start coming in your head. Well, did I, did I do something wrong? Was my faith not up to par? What's going on? But when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and those who threw them in fell dead because of the heat, just as soon as they stepped into the fiery furnace, they heard somebody say, Hey, I'm with you. We got this. I've already turned the air conditioner on, and it's going to be just fine in here. And so Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and one other person was in there having a good time dancing around. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, didn't, I, didn't you, we throw three people in there? And they said, yeah, so I see four walking around. But I don't think they were actually walking. I think they might have been jumping up and down. <laughs> Dancing a little bit because the Lord was there when they got in the midst of the fiery furnace. He said, hey, I'm with you. We got this. Then uh, the story of David and Goliath. 
You know, even people who don't believe in the Bible will refer to Goliath and David. Politicians will refer to David and Goliath. And so David's dad said, I want you to go down and check on your brothers. And when they got down there, there was this big old dude on the other side of the valley over there hollering at him. saying, oh, you bunch of chickens. Why don't you send somebody out here? Just send, send somebody out here. I'm ready to whip all of you, but I'll take you one at a time. It doesn't make any difference. And all of God's people were huddled around under the tabernacle. Oh, dear God, save us. Oh, dear God, save us. And David showed up and said, what's wrong with you bunch of cowards? Why don't somebody go out there and fight that dude? And they said, well, nobody wants to go out there if you see how big he is. And when you're looking from here across there, you know, he's pretty big. But why, when David went down to the creek and picked up five stones, and when he looked back up the hill, and the giant is on the hill up yonder, I'm telling you that eight-foot giant was a whole lot taller when you're looking up at him than he was when you was looking across the valley at him. And it just might have occurred to David when he was standing there looking up and said, you might have bitten off more than you can chew, buddy. <laughs> That's a big man. But somewhere between there, the, the creek, and when he got up in front of Goliath, the Lord came to him and said, hey, David, I'm with you. We got this. And that enabled David to say to Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And today, well, wasn't he a smart, wasn't he a smart aleck teenager? And today, oh, Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. Whenever the Lord said, I'm with you, it bolstered up his, his strength and his faith a whole lot. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. And then there's Daniel when he's in the lion's den. You know all this story. But just still, just as soon as they threw Daniel in the lion's den, the Lord said, hey, I'm with you, Daniel. We got this. I've already fed the lions. They're already asleep. You lay your head on that line, and I'll lay my head on this line, and we'll just spend the night together. <laughs> and the next morning when the old king looked down, there's, hey, Daniel, are you down there? Old king. Yeah, I'm here, had a good night's rest. Because when I got down here, the Lord was with me, and we had this whole situation. In the New Testament, there's a story of Peter walking on the water. And this is one of my favorite stories because when I was coming up, and still so many people today... The emphasis of so many people was not the fact that Peter walked on the water, but that he looked at the waves and went under. Why should that be the part that everybody remembers? But the disciples were out in the boat, and Jesus had gone up the mountain over there to pray. And sometime in the middle of the night, they looked out there, and one of them said, Uh, y'all see somebody out there? It looks like somebody's walking on the water, but I, I know they're not. That must be a ghost out there. And it was just far enough you couldn't tell exactly who it was because people can't walk on the water. So it had to be a ghost because ghosts can float. 
And Peter said, you know, it kind of looks like it might be the master. And old Peter, who always run in his mouth anyhow, talking before he thought, he said, hey, master, that's you bid me come. And he said, come on. You know, we're not always expecting Jesus to do what we ask him to do. <laughs> and so whenever the Lord said, come, and then he was faced with a dilemma. I gotta get, I gotta act on faith now and I gotta do what I thought I was gonna do. And I can hear the other disciples, hey, hey, big boy, get out, let's see you walk on water. But because of who he was and his personality, man, it's out there. I opened my big mouth. He said, come, I'll try it. And he stepped out and the scripture says he walked on the water. And I don't think he just took one step because he said he walked on the water. So a step is not a walk. Two steps is not really a walk, but he walked on the water. But as he was walking on the water, the devil got between his ears and started saying, do you realize where you are, oh yeah, I'm walking on water. But have you noticed that you can go under? You see those waves? And when he got his eyes off of the Lord, you know, he started going under. But when he started going under, Jesus said, hey, I'm with you. We got this. And they both walked on the water back to the boat. You know, I I love that. He didn't drag him back. He didn't tell him to swim back while I walked. They both walked on the water back. So wherever you go, when the Lord rescues you, don't think you got to be drugged back to where you were because he will walk with you back to where you left. He will take you safely home. I will be with you until we get back, until we got it done. And they walked back and they got in the boat. Now, there were still 11 human beings on that boat. And I'm sure those 11 who were on there who did not walk on the water started criticizing him and laughing at him. Hey, man, we knew you wouldn't make it. We saw you go under. Ha, 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 ha. Because the people who don't see everything that you experience sometimes will talk about your weaknesses and your faults and your failures. But let me tell you, if Jesus is with you, you'll walk on the water back to where you came. Then Stephen, who only preached one sermon, one sermon, and it so irritated the people that they stoned him. And while the stones were pelting him and they were hurting him, it was painful to be stoned to death. But in the midst of that stoning, the Lord said, hey, Stephen, I'm with you. We got this. And that's when he said, hey, I see Jesus standing on the right hand. Did he still feel the stones? Oh, yes, he felt the stones. But who was with him helped him cross that sea and get to where he was going. There's so many other things I could talk about, but uh, I want to talk about Jesus. Jesus Christ was the only person who's ever walked on this earth who was 100% man and 100% God. That is a fact that only faith can accept. 
because the intellect cannot accept that because it's not possible to be 100% of two things. But Jesus was 100% flesh and 100% God. He came, became like us so that he could know how it feels to be like us. He could not help us be what flesh is if he did not experience being flesh. And when Jesus was on this earth and when he was in his ministry, people mocked at him and made fun of him and criticized him. The church folks criticized him. The politicians talked about him. Everybody criticized him. Jesus knows what it feels like to be talked about. He knows what it feels like to be criticized. He knows what it's like to have everybody turn against you. He knows that. That's the reason he is able to succor us and help us whenever we are going through some temptations. That's how he can say to us, hey, I'm with you. We got this. But when Jesus was on this earth, and even though it's not recorded in the scripture, I can tell you that he as flesh, because he was tempted in the wilderness just exactly like we are and will be. And uh, back in when I was growing up in the church, they taught they, whoever they were in the church, and dad wasn't this way and mother wasn't this way, but you don't always hear what the people, the positive people say, but you hear what the negative people say. That sticks to you. And I hear people say that if you are, if you're tempted, if you're tempted, you've not been born again. Because when you're saved, you won't be tempted. Well, I'd get saved every Sunday night, and by Monday, I'd done been tempted. So I, I, could, I couldn't serve the Lord because I was tempted all the time. And uh, when I was in high school, and we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, the headquarters of the church, and there was a lady of the church at that time, and she had been the, the uh, editor of the Lighted Pathways. She was an icon. She was a spiritual giant in the church. And... Uh, she sent word that she wanted to talk to me, and I said, good Lord, why would Alda B. Harrison want to talk to me? I mean, I'm just a teenager. So I went and knocked on the door and went in, and she was an old lady, probably 75, <laughs> and uh, which is young now, but it was... Uh, and I looked at her and she said, would you like some tea? And of course my mouth was dry with cotton because I was scared to death in her presence. And so I got some tea. And the first thing she said to me made me know she wasn't a prophetess because she told me I was supposed to go with the girl across the street. Well, I had already dated the girl across the street and I didn't want to go with the girl across the street. But then she told me, made this statement to me, she said, now, David, if you'll just really get born again, you'll never be tempted for the rest of your life. Whew. I left that house and walked home so distraught, so torn up, because this giant of the church, that this great woman had just said it again. And I'm having a hard enough time as a teenager because teenagers, 99% of your day and night is temptation. 
And I went home and I sat down on the couch and I was just, I was so beat down. And dad came home from the office and I said, dad, I got to ask you a question. And he said, what? And I said, and I told him what happened. I said, and she told me that if I was tempted, I wasn't saved. And I was expecting dad to give me some kind of a biblical, theological, in-depth answer. And he said, son, some people just don't understand God. That's all he said. So it didn't really ease the tension in my life. And again, here about reading the scripture. And I had read it many times, but it never had bingoed me. And I was reading the scripture when it says, And Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. What? Of the devil. Jesus. Well, now, if there's anybody ever who was born again, as we always say, or was saved, or was good in God's eyes, it had to be Jesus. And he was led by the Holy Spirit of all people and all gods. The Holy Spirit led Jesus, the Son of God, led him out into the wilderness just so he could be tempted of the devil. Hallelujah. So when I found out, when it finally came to me that Jesus was tempted, I felt, well, praise the Lord. If he can be tempted and he was okay, I can be tempted and I can be okay. What a consolation. And when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the father said, son, don't let the devil get to you. I'm with you. We got this. And I learned from that, that when I'm tempted, when I'm tempted, and I learned this many years ago, you can't control the birds that fly over your head, but you can control who builds a nest. So temptation may fly over you, but you just don't let it build a nest in your head. And so it's it kind of good makes you feel good to be tempted because you know the devil still wants to get you. Because the devil doesn't worry about, he doesn't tempt the folks he's already got because he doesn't have to. He just tempts us because he wants to get us back. So when we're tempted, we're still going to be all right because Father told him, Son, I'm with you, we got this. And so whatever Jesus went through during his lifetime, the Lord was with him. The Father was with him. The Holy Spirit was with him. Then it came the time that he had to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. And in that garden, he prayed until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Father, if it's possible... Can we just find another way to do this? This is his flesh talking, not his, not his, not his spirit person, but his flesh. Flesh doesn't want to die. Flesh doesn't like pain. Flesh does not want to be humiliated. Flesh does not want to be whipped with a kid of nine tails. And his flesh was crying out, Father, I don't want to go through this. But the father said, Son, I'm with you. We got this. And when they went before the, the court and they were mocking him and yelling at him and he's facing all this and they're they're calling all these names and they're spitting in his face and they're plucking his beard and their father said son just hold on 
Just hold on. We got this. And when they beat him, beat him with a kid of nine tails and blood was streaming from his back. And, and I had, I had one fellow tell me one time, well, because he was God, he didn't feel anything. I said, oh, get over it. He was flesh and he felt the pain. It was painful. He was weakening and hurting and bending over. And the father said, son, just hang on. I'm with you. We got this. And he went to the cross and they, Nailed those nails in his wrist and his feet and stabbed him in his heart. And the crown of thorns was hurting on his head and he was bleeding from all those parts of his body. Life was oozing out of him. And the father said, son, hang on. I'm with you. We got this. Finally, Jesus said, father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. It's finished. And when it was finished, the father said, son. We got this. And when they placed him in the tomb and they sealed the tomb, the father said, son, don't worry. We got this. And on that third morning, the father came and said, son, I'm with you. Let's get up. And the stone was rolled away. Because the Lord said, I'll not leave you until we get the job done. Amen. So, at this time in our lives, when the enemy is, folks, it's not the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. It's what's going on right now in our country is good versus evil. That's what. That's all it's about. And the primary. The basis of the whole thing is the body of Christ, the church. We are, the devil is doing everything he can to destroy the church. We are the last country that's supporting Israel. Today, 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 somewhere around this globe, there will be Christians who will be beheaded. There will be churches that will be burned. There will be folks who will be buried alive. There will be folks who will be burned because only one thing, because they are Christians. And all that's going on right now, the real purpose of it is to shut the mouth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I hear the Lord saying, hey, I'm with you. We got this. And I believe through all of this is going on. I firmly believe that the church, regardless of the outcome of everything else, the church is going to come out triumphant, victorious, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. I don't know if it's time for the church to be raptured, but we're not going under because the Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When all hell breaks loose, I'm still going to have my church. I'm still going to be with you. They're trying to close them down in California. The mayor of Chicago, a few months ago when this first started, there was a church in the urban area where people parked on the streets after the people had come to church and parked. She put uh, no parking signs on the street, hauled away, towed away 150 cars at that church and told the pastor, said, if you have church again, we'll burn your church. That's the mayor of Chicago telling the pastor. And the pastor said, we will have church. As a Baptist preacher in California, 
Uh, they told him he couldn't have church. He said, you can do what you want to do, but we're going to have church. The last account I had, his fines were over $600,000. He said, don't care what you do, we're still going to have church. Because he must have heard from the Lord when the Lord said, hey, pastor, I'm with you. We got this. We're going to keep on going. So whatever's going on in the world and in our world and in our nation and our community, COVID or whatever it is, the Lord is telling us, hey, I'm with you. We got this. Whatever your situation is, you here in the sanctuary and those of you watching online, whatever's going on in your life, and COVID is just one thing that's attacking the body of Christ. But the Lord says, hey, I'm with you. We got this. If you're having family problems, the devil's trying his best to destroy, to destroy the marriages of God's people. The same temptations the world has, they're in the church. But the Lord is, if, if, if people would listen, husbands and wives would listen, you would hear the Lord say, hey, we got this. I'm with you. We can make this. Some of you have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren who are once known the Lord and they're out there somewhere doing their thing. But the Lord knows about that. And the Lord will say, hey, we got this. I want to share this story with you. And it's one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard like this. A preacher in Alabama. This has been 10 or 12 years ago now. His daughter had been on the praise team singing in the church. One day she just decided she had had enough. And she left home. She was gone for three or four years, and they did not know where she was. They didn't know if she was alive or dead. Had not heard from her in three or four years. And he was driving down the street one day, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and told him to pull into a truck stop, go to the phone booth, and call McDonald's, and I think it was Milan, Italy. And he thought, why would I do that? But it was so real. He just pulled in and went to the phone booth and picked up the phone and got an operator and said, I want you to connect me with McDonald's in Milan, Italy. And she said, how do you know they got a McDonald's in Milan? He said, I don't. But just check and see. And so she checked. Sure enough, there was a McDonald's in Milan, Italy. And they called, and somebody at the McDonald's answered the phone. And he said, I would like to speak. I think her name was Melissa. I would like to speak with Melissa. So, so. And he said, well, we don't have a Melissa working here. He said, are you sure? Yeah. No, we don't have a Melissa here. And he said, would you just go out in the in the eating area and ask if there's anybody there by the name of Melissa? And he walked out and said, is there a Melissa here? And this girl raised her hand and said, Yes. And said, a phone call for you. And she got to the phone and said, hello. And he said, Melissa, this is Daddy. She said, Daddy, can I come home? In the midst of the torture of not knowing where your children are or what they're doing and how bad they are, God knows. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. If you're having financial struggles 
as has already been mentioned this morning by Scarlett. God wants you to know he's with you. We got this. Yeah, but do you see how many bills I got? I, I, I know, I know, I know, but we got this. If you'll just be faithful, if you'll just bring your tithes, if you'll just be faithful, just be faithful, we got this. But if I give my tithes, Lord, I'll have even, don't worry about it. If you'll just be faithful, we got this. When we were pastoring our first church in El Paso, Texas, is where I met your pastor's dad. I mean, whenever I, when I finally consented to be a preacher, I did not want to ride my daddy's coattail. My dad was world famous, and I could have gone people, well, I'm Vep Ellis' son, and, and, and rode his, but I didn't want to do that. If I'm going to make it, I want to make it just me and the Lord. I want to make it on my own. So when I told the Lord I'd go to the first church he presented to me, I didn't realize he's going to send me to El Paso. And uh, we went to El Paso, Texas, and nobody, we didn't have one neighbor. Hardly, well, one little 12-year-old boy spoke English, and the rest of them Espanol, and it was a different world. But the Lord was with us, and we made it. But then there, that time we got 80% of the, the tithes was our income. One week the tithes was $3.00. We got $2.40, which is not too bad, except the week before it was $18 and we got $15. So you take uh, $17.40 for two weeks, it's not a whole lot of money. And our son, Vip, he was drinking or eating 34 junior jars of baby food a week. And so we had accumulated 28 and I walked to the store because I didn't have any gas in the car. I walked to the store and got seven jars of junior baby food and got a loaf of Velveeta cheese and a loaf of bread. And when I came home, she said, well, what are we going to eat? And I said, we're going to eat grilled cheese sandwiches. She said, for how long? I said, until. Our car payment was due. Our tags was $20.11. Didn't have that. I had 11 cents in my pocket. No groceries. And I went out in the church and I knelt down and I, I said, Lord, I, I, I promised you I would not work. Not that I had anything against work, but if I was going to be a pastor, I want to be a full-time pastor. But I said, if you don't do something by Thursday, I, I got to go get a job. And I came and told Wanda what I told the Lord. She says, oh, dear God, now you got God mad at us. You can't tell him what to do. I said, I didn't tell him what to do. I just told him what I would have to do. So, uh, I was sitting in there watching our little black and white TV in our little bitty, bitty, bitty living room and the phone rang and it was a man of the church that didn't like me, didn't like anybody in the church. He only came to church to make sure his wife didn't flirt with anybody and nobody flirted with her. And he said, uh, Mrs. Robinette, are you going to be home in the next few minutes? Yeah, I mean, having a gas, we're not going anywhere. And so he comes and knocks on the door and I go to the door and I'm trying to hurry through the story and he stuck a check through the door for, and uh, I thanked him for it, and he left. And when I looked, it was made out to the church, and so I just folded it up. And Wanda said, what, how much was it? I said, honey, it was made out to the church. The church needs it as bad as we do. So that was it. About 10 or 15 minutes later, he called back and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, that check was for you. I said, thank you. When he hung up, I said, yeah, it was $20. And I had 11 cents. 
I went down and got my tags for the car, and it was $20.11. I'm dead broke, but we got tags on the car. Can't go anywhere because there's no gas in the car. But that's all right. The next day, a lady called and said, are you going to be home? Yeah, we're going to be home. She showed up a little while, and she said, we got our income tax back from the church or from the government. Here's our ties. And I looked, and she had a station wagon, and the back of the station wagon was just jammed full of bags of groceries, full of groceries. And our portion of the $98 paid the car payment and everything else because the Lord said, I'm with you. We got this until I'm done with you. We got this. And that was, that's been a long time ago. That was 1960. And here it is today. And the Lord's still telling me, don't worry about this. Well, I'm not through with you. We got this. And if sickness comes upon you, unless the Lord's through with you, it's going to be okay because, hey, I'm with you. We got this. I don't know what he's doing up there and all that political stuff going on, but I, I, I have heard from him, and he's already told me, hey, with you, I'm with you, we got this. So regardless of who ends up being president, it don't make any difference with God. It doesn't make any difference with the kingdom of God because he's with us. We got this. We got this. And then eventually it's going to happen because he said, it's appointed unto man wants to die. So we're going to die. I'm in no hurry to die. You know, I've, I've heard people get up in church and say, Oh, I'm just so hungry to go to glory. I'm just so hungry. I'm just so I'm not. I like this life pretty good. Because the Lord has blessed me. I mean, it's a good life. I mean, it's given a good life. You know, hey, I know that's a whole lot better, but getting there is not much fun. You know? But then I've got this assurance that when it comes time and I face death, I know I'm going to hear the Lord say, hey, I'm with you. We got this. <laughs> By the way, I've been here before. I know exactly how to help you through this. I'm going to take you by the hand and we'll go to the other side. The other side's a whole lot better than this. Folks, all I care about today is that as long as you stay on this earth, I don't care what happens to you. I don't care what the devil says to you. Just remember the Lord said, hey, I'm with you. We got this. Some things look big and mean and nasty. But we got this. Only two times in my Life have I, I hope you understand, have I heard God speak to me? And it, it didn't thunder. It was just the voice. Now, he talks to me all the time. But there's been two times that he's just spoke to me. And one time was when all hell was breaking loose in a church that we were pastoring and it was just, it was getting ugly and people were saying all kind of things and one man was accusing me of having an affair with six women in the choir and I thought, hey man, that's pretty good if I can do that and still be married to one, that's pretty good. But people were beginning to believe it and he accused me of having some, I 
paid somebody $10,000 to kill him. And I said, let me tell you something. If I had $10,000, I wouldn't waste it on paying somebody else to kill you. If I want to kill you, I'll kill you myself. But, I mean, it was a bad situation. And so I was praying one day, and I said, Lord, I just want to know about Vip, our son. I said, I just want to know. I'm concerned about him. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, Vip will be all right. And so from that moment on, no matter what happened, and over the next years, things got real bad with him. He got involved in the mafia, and he was a drug dealer. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. But every day that I'd see all the bad, I kept hearing, hey, Vip's going to be all right. And a few years ago, about 2005, when I knew I was going to resign the church and start doing what I'm doing now, I was concerned about whether I could make it financially, you know, because retirement didn't have a whole lot and what have you. And and I'm praying about it, and all the Lord said to me was, you'll always have enough. Now, I wish he'd have said, I'm going to give you a lot. But he didn't. All he said was, you'll always have enough. And you really don't need more than enough. And you know what? For the last 14 years, I've always had enough. There's been a couple of three times that I was wondering, okay, but you'll always have enough. Hey, I'm with you. We got this. Father, only you and each individual knows what's going on in everybody's life. Someone listening online or watching, they're going through some things now, Lord, that's just torturing their lives and troubling their faith. And There's more question marks than exclamation points. But, Lord, I just pray somehow that what you've had me share with your people today will assure them that Regardless of the situation, regardless of the physical situations or the financial or the home life or whatever it may be, Lord, that you've got everything under control and everything is going to be all right. Bless this pastor and Scarlett, this congregation. Lord, continue to use them to minister to this community. And as they minister around the world, Lord, Strengthen and empower them according to your promise until we get her done. In Jesus' name, amen.